Enterprise Management 360, your main source for tech news, analysis, podcasts, and videos for the enterprise. Hello and welcome to the EM360 podcast, where we have a weekly conversation with people who are impacting the enterprise tech landscape. Make sure you stay up to date with all of our latest episodes by subscribing on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, or wherever you go for your podcasting needs. My name is Max Curtin, Head of Content here at EM360 and your host on this podcast. Now today I'm being joined by Rich Langston, who is the Director of Product Management at Tempered. Rich is going to give us an exclusive insight into the current state and future of Zero Trust in relation to Tempered's 2021 Zero Trust report. So, Rich, welcome to the show and thanks for coming on today. Thanks for having me. You're very welcome. And uh, before we dive into the report and all things Zero Trust, would you mind just giving our listeners a bit of background on yourself and Tempered? Yeah, sure. So, I've, I've been uh, around for a while. I've been a product marketing, product management guy in the security market for a really long time. Worked at companies like Cisco, Aruba, Juniper, done a lot of really interesting things. And I joined Tempered not too long ago, and they've been around for, we've been around for about five years, uh, protecting networks. Excellent stuff. And when we get into the zero trust conversation, it's always interesting to get people's perspective. And the report itself obviously threw up some interesting stuff, but I wanted to get from, from you, Rich, you know, based on the report's findings, could you maybe give us an overview of the current state of Zero Trust and really explain how the security model has evolved since it first emerged? Sure, I think that's a pretty that's a pretty interesting question. Um, I, I really love the results of this survey. I think um, they really do. You know, it's it's great when you have an idea in your head; it turns out to be what people think. But you know, what we see is that a lot of people are very interested in Zero Trust, and the really good thing. I see is that a lot of people's goals, you know, continuous authentication, data protection, finally facilitating least privileged access, and and some of these other goals that people state as their compelling, most compelling need are things that you know our technology definitely does, and and many other technologies can address. So I think the really great news here is that people are coming in with an identified need that's going to make a really big difference to how we work in the world. Um, and they, they should be able to have long-term success. I think we're a little stalled out right now on implementations because, you know, there's a lot to decide. Are you going to start in the data center? Are you going to start at the edge? Is your problem remote access? Is your problem uh, data center security? And then when you go to talk to some of the larger vendors, I think they're leading with a very proprietary message that's kind of confusing people, but I think that's a temporary thing. Yeah, it comes down to the more education and the more organizations understand the benefit of zero trust, the uh, the more it's going to be adopted, and that messaging gets a lot clearer, which is nice. So I'm, I'm going to throw out kind of a, a general question here. From your perspective, how are organizations currently utilizing zero trust? And really, what are their key drivers behind the decision that they want to get involved in it? Mm, excellent question. And I think this is, this is we have a very unique point of view on this, I think. Um, uh, Tempered was was created to to develop this zero trust technology uh, specifically, but our initial market, the initial pr- approach we took was protecting um, uh, operational technology networks. There's a there's a fairly long story about how our technology actually spun out of an OT company, and the the initial mission was essentially to to restore the air gap. So you know we know that industrial networks were never really intended to be connected to the network, to the internet, but increasingly because of Industry 4.0, they want to be. So we really developed our zero trust technology 
the idea that it could, it could protect industrial assets that have no idea they're on the internet and can't really run agents or protection of any sort, as well as all of the infrastructure that needs to service them. So by starting kind of with, with an embedded problem with just a super high stakes trust relationship, right? We, did, we can't mess up access into a, a power plant. You know, we, we, we developed really secure technology. Um, and what we see our customers doing with it is a couple things, you know, safe access into networks. So on the OT side, that's um, a lot of times that's, you know, how do I allow my vendor to access my secure network and not see the other vendor's gear and be able to revoke their access, you know, at any time um, in a way that's secure, sustainable, and auditable. Um, you know, we're, of course, solving similar problems in IT now. Uh, now we're seeing more and more uh, customers who are uh, segmenting their IoT assets from their IT assets and are wanting to use our technology to do things like build VPNs uh, because um, you know we can offer a much uh, a much better ease of use experience than, than a lot of legacy v- VPNs. So 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 those are the kind of the areas we're seeing. We're seeing um, you know uh, safe, secure access to to critical information as a big driver. We're seeing um, ease of use and you know sort of a a desire to have an improved VPN experience. Those are two of the big drivers we're seeing right now. Mm-hmm. Definitely, definitely. I think I think that's obviously very key for a lot of people at the moment, especially those still in lockdown and, and dealing with a lot of those kind of security issues. I was uh, I found this part of the report really interesting when we're looking at these kind of key drivers. You know, as you said, a lot of people are looking for that security data prevent, uh, protection, the breach prevention. But I found it interesting that only 49% were interested in reducing insider threats, um, which can be such a, a key element of zero trust. Where do you think that kind of, um, how that number can kind of increase so people can kind of understand that zero trust uh, benefit from, a, from an insider perspective? That's a good question, and I think maybe part of it is that that that's actually where a lot of the heavy lifting is going to have to to go behind your your program, right? Because if you haven't been doing a good job with your people groups, if you will, with defining who should be able to access what, then if you want to take that on, if you're a larger organization, it can be a little bit daunting. I think uh, that's probably part of it, uh, but I think as we educate uh, more about the advantages of it, um, and as it you know, really plays directly into some of the most pressing security concerns, um, I think we'll start to make some headway there. And, and what I specifically mean is there's two things, right? Uh, one is we have this proliferation of ransomware and malware. And, you know, the more we segregate our network, the more we're going to be able to protect ourselves from the ransomware, which, you know, as we've seen, has been devastating in many different organizations that we, that we work with, hospitals, you know, and, and, and governments being just two of them. There was a power plant recently that, that got hit by it. So, you know, reducing your attack surface um, is part of the benefits of the kind of, you know, insider seg- segmentation. And the other one, of course, is, is, you know, is data theft. And data theft keeps continuing. So I kind of expect, especially once we have these kind of things in uh, environments set up, once a company gets hit by an insider threat, then we'll all be able to turn around and look at our gear and say, oh, if I just tighten these screws, I already have this because I have my tempered Airwall Zero Trust Network ready already. Mm-hmm. Which is very important kind of going forward. And it, it leads me nicely onto my next question, because obviously, whenever you introduce any kind of new security method or um, implementation or even just an idea, it, it's not a one 
size fits all kind of deal. So what type of challenges are organizations facing once they implement this uh, strategic security initiative? And have you kind of got any tips for overcoming or managing them? Yeah, I think the challenges people are facing really are, are like, I think, mostly um, analysis paralysis related, because, um, you know, it depends on, you need to set your goals. Are we going to, are we going to secure our data center from all east-west traffic, you know, are we going to make sure all of our users' users' laptops have minimum least privileged access? You know, which are the the bigger? Where is the biggest risk in your organization? And then, as people look at some of these, the, there are competing technologies that are kind of exclusive. So, if you're used to working with a particular large vendor and you trust them, um, I think some people are confused now because they're working through those vendors' implementations and understanding that there are a lot of edge cases, and eventually that's going to drive them into some. You know, to look at you know more open solutions, and I think that's going to get them past their paralysis. And when it comes to sort of the technical part of implementing any of these, I think the great news is that there are several technologies. I mean, ours is the best, of course, but there are several technologies that can actually accomplish these goals. Uh, so, so they will be able to get where they're going. Absolutely, but there is work they're going to have to do. You know, I think I've alluded to it before. Like, are your people groups set up right? I mean, are you willing to figure out? who needs access to individual, you know, series of servers and whatnot, and actually start the process of locking your network down in a way that, you know, we've been talking about since the 90s, but no one's really done yet. Mm -hmm. I I think that's the difficult thing of of getting over the line, isn't it? Because the survey kind of showed, and I'll break it down a little bit further, but it said 70% said that organizations have no zero trust access projects underwear in place. If we break that down a little bit more, 43% they have projects planned, 21% 21% have no plans and 6% are completely unfamiliar with it. The 43% there is kind of the most surprising to me that, you know, they have the idea, they know its benefit, but they're not pushing it forward and, and properly delivering on it. So how do we kind of get them over that line or whose responsibility is it in an organization to push that 43% over the line? Yeah, it's a pretty good question. So I think this is actually, I see almost all good news here, right? Because, um, you know, as a product strategy guy, if I think about, you know, the product adoption lifecycle and, and the, you know, the whole crossing the chasm thing, the fact that we have, you know, the early adopters are using it, some of the early majority is using it, and really the majority is planning, I think this is, this is victory. I think this means that we're going in the right direction and these technologies are going to be widely adopted. I, I think we are in a bit of a, an interesting spot right now. What we see is customers had, you know, when we first started working from home, we had certain connectivity problems that resulted in some people investing in zero trust, but it resulted in more people, you know, just shoring up what they have. And now we're in the phase where people are considering strategically, what is my, what is my network access? What does my access network need to look like for this future of potentially hybrid work, all these other challenges that we're facing? So I think there's a lot of planning going in there right now from our conversations with customers. Yeah, yeah. It seems to be that the, um, and correct me if I'm wrong here, but the focus seems to be on that kind of cloud-based uh, zero-trust SaaS solution. Would, would you say that's the case? Yeah, that is certainly, I mean, that is certainly where, where everyone is starting. Absolutely. Um, yeah. That's not working for everyone. So, you know, our product can be used completely as a cloud service or you can be you can post it completely on-prem. So that's hopefully going to help with some of those later adopters who aren't going to want to trust the cloud as much. 
Yeah, exactly. It comes down to understanding that need for the business and, and, and what you need. And it's great to hear that you guys can offer a variety of solutions for people. Um, I wanted to kind of wrap up the podcast by, you know, talking about the future of Zero Trust. We're talking about people looking at adoption, getting there and, and building this up. So from your perspective, and I can even ask, you know, what is your hope for the future of Zero Trust looking like? Are there any specific trends that businesses can expect to see in the coming years? Yeah, I think I think really this is the, just the beginning of a really good thing. And I think in the future, what you're really going to see um, is companies running essentially what uh, a software-defined perimeter uh, that's going to give them you know, a uniform set of experiences and access regardless of where they are in the world. The way we do it, we create overlay networks that essentially run on top of the real networks. So I think that's probably how it's going to look in the future, right? We're going to have these robust networks, you have your LAN, you have your, you know, you, you have an internet service provider, cloud infrastructure provider, you know, an IAS, you know, cloud you run in. And really, we're going to have a software defined perimeter that's going to span all of those as needed for individual employees and really be able to, to realize the benefits of, of least privilege access in a way that we've really wanted to do for a long time. But, you know, we tried to do with VLANs and ACLs and things like that. It became much too onerous, but um, an approach where we marry a device identity to a user identity and create a set of overlay networks those identities are allowed to talk on while simultaneously solving the connectivity problem at the underlay layer and making sure you can access from your home network, from your office, from, from the subway, from you know, a mobile network, wherever you happen to be. I think we're going to see this, this universal, you, you know, this ubiquitous connectivity with the right level of information security, finally. Yeah, and I think that's uh, such an important place to get to. And it's uh, exciting to kind of see this growth in this technology and where it's kind of heading for sure. So, Rich, all I can say is thanks for coming on today's episode and, and walking us through the report and the future and present of Zero Trust. Thanks. It's, it's been a lot of fun. Thanks, Rich. And thank you, everyone, who took the time to listen to this episode. We hope you took a lot away. And if you are looking for more information, please head on over to temper.io. They've got some fantastic resources over there. And uh, if you need some more information, I'm sure someone will be happy to help. You can join in the conversation with us at Ian360Tech on Twitter and LinkedIn. Subscribe to this podcast. And for more great daily content, head on over to Ian360Tech.com. Mm-hmm.